welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Dave. I'm here with Linda, and we are talking to Alyssa Lee. And Alyssa is a customer success lead for AIML, and we've never had anyone on with that role, so I can't wait to talk about it. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Alyssa. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So cool to be here with you, Dave and Linda. Yeah, happy to share about customer success and what I know about AI and ML. It's a really exciting space. I agree. So let's start like any great journey. It starts in the beginning. The beginning. So, <laughs> yes, the beginning. How did you get into AI ML? Sure. Uh, so I did my undergrad in Dallas. So it was a program called Arts and Technology, which was um, partially like emerging tech, and then also, yeah, like computer science. And uh, from there, I got my, I started my tech journey actually in California. I was working at some startups out there and uh, was always in those customer facing type roles. I really love just helping people. So you're very traditional support roles at the beginning. And then as I got more versed in tech and became more, more versed in that space, I kind of grew up into bigger tech. Like I went from uh, Dell and then I actually did my training here in Austin and Round Rock. And uh, from there I went to Google and now I'm at Amazon AWS. So been through some bigger companies and, you know, I started the small ones, but uh, through that journey, I've been fortunate to work on a lot of different types of tech. Um, I worked on software. I worked on phones like Android at Google and then when I got to AWS, I was working on low code, no code. Now I'm in AI and ML. My big thing was I was always interested in like, what was the new big thing in tech? So I was moving from like, you know, as I understood more was out there, always loved being in that emerging tech and um, bringing me to cloud, to low code, no code, to AI and ML. But yeah, and I also did studies at uh, Stanford for on the side. I was actually doing that while I was at Google. It was a program called uh, Continuing Studies. And it was really neat because a lot of that course was people like that were working professionals already. So my peers were other folks from other big tech companies like Facebook and eBay. And I believe Cisco like was also represented in there. And we were all in there learning about AI and ML. So that was about three or four years ago. It was actually really interesting because back then, you know, only being three or four years ago is a very different time of what AI and ML was. It's grown exponentially in the last, I guess, even just the last three or six months, it's really blown up. Really cool to see where it is now and having the background of where it was back then, it's just neat to see. So that's incredible. So question for you. I know you also gave a talk, a chalk talk at reInvent about DevOps. So tell me how you're talking about AI ML and DevOps. And I feel like you also have experience in kind of marrying the two in some ways. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, last, the reInvent 2022 was my very first one there. Really cool event, by the way, for those listening, like that's one of the biggest cloud conferences at AWS. And you have, it's like a week long thing of just really cool announcements. Plus you have a bunch of customers and it's just a lot of fun to see what's out there and new. But yeah, my talk specifically was on DevOps culture. I just kind of talked about what that looks like specifically at AWS and how folks can apply that to improve DevOps within their own organizations and business. Very well aware that obviously it's not a one size fits all. So I would kind of share nuggets based on that. Plus, it would always be like an open conversation too, just to hear about, you know, what other folks are doing and what they feel like are good takeaways in that space. So I personally feel like 
you know, DevOps and AI ops, it's a really interesting um, space because they're very new spaces, right? Like a lot of people don't really know much about them yet. And it's a space that because they're kind of groundbreaking, there's so much potential where they can go. So we're on that cuffs now where we're learning about, you know, our own learnings of what we've done to get to where it is today. But it's always ever evolving and it's very fast moving of ways that we can improve that space as well. How would you explain AI ops to somebody who doesn't know what that is listening in? Great question. So AI ops stands for AI for operations and AI for operations has to do with leveraging the power of AI ML to improve efficiency within your operations. So if you think about it, what you're doing is you're removing kind of the manual tasks and also you're automating different areas to make that a smoother process um, within your operations. So what that might look like is cost and time savings for like your support teams to be able to identify issues and quickly know what to do if something happens. We're in this really interesting time and there's this new concept called um, alarm fatigue, where it's like, even if you have a really robust observability solution or something that's looking at what's in your operations, sometimes because there's so much data, because we have so many applications, you don't know exactly like, where did that come from? What do we do about it? What else is impacted? And learning all that very quickly to react in a way that's going to help your company is actually, it's a new concept that we're trying to eliminate. So when you have something like AI or ML, what that can do is reduce that for you by taking out anything manual, bubbling up the most critical things, and also showing you like recommendations that best based on best practices of what you can do to resolve it. So that's kind of an overview of like what AI ops is in general, like the key piece of that being observability. And that's like one of the most yeah. important pieces of it. First of all, I'm amazed by you and your breadth of knowledge. And also kind of AI ops feels like such a you know, SRE and DevOps and AI, all these different skill sets within one, right? Uh, it's just mm-hmm. fascinating to, to kind of see the new types of focuses and, and the, the rising of importance of these focuses that I think I have so many questions to ask you. And I, I'm going to let Dave take the next one, but no, I, no, I, no, I, no. Know where to go. I, I, I'll keep some of the career questions for the end um, because I think there's <laughs> okay. a lot there too. Can you define observability and how you see it? Yes. Great question, Dave. I think This is a really important concept that I think that every business needs it. We don't always understand what it is. So so observability is basically just giving you an understanding of what's happening in your system, right? So you understand how everything's working operationally, how it's running smoothly, and what you need underlyingly to maybe prevent failures or any sort of issues from happening. And it's not just your resources, but it's also uh, think about like if you have So you're developing applications. So like understanding what's happening under the hood for those applications as well. So it's to create two sides. There's like a reactive side and a proactive side. So reactive is, oh my gosh, this has happened. What do we do about it? How do we fix it really quickly? There's proactive side that is, okay, this is what we can put in place to prevent something from happening. Um, Maybe we see these patterns that might lead to um, a certain issue or something like that. Got it. And I know you know Caroline 
I mean, we had her yes. on the on too. And so she's coming from the essay side and you have this cool customer lead title. I find anytime, you know, as someone who's been through all these different waves, I find it's understanding, like we're in that hype wave right now. And I was just thinking about yes. this today because I've been playing around with LLM and even having it like role play and doing all this stuff. And then I'm like, okay, how does this help productivity? And we think a lot about that in, I'm in developer experience at AWS is like practically, how is this going to help a developer be more productive day to day? And I'm sure you hit a lot of that when you go into customers, they're hearing about this hype, they're trying to figure out how it helps them. Can you speak a little bit about that? And, you know, do you have a portfolio of services that you point customers to and, and how does that engagement work? I'm super curious. Yeah, absolutely. All great points. And uh, I will say just off that first thing you said, it is a super exciting time that there is so much hype around this right now. Like AIML is the new hot thing. It's what everyone's talking about. And it's because of that, like people are generally pretty open to hear about what you can do with it. But where, where I sit with it to, to speak to what I support, and I'm sitting in a, a portfolio called a the builder's experience portfolio. So it's a it's a portfolio of about 20 plus services that are all focused on exactly that developer productivity. I like to speak to these three breakdowns I do of the AI ML services that are in my bucket. So there's AI for operations, which we've already talked about. So those are going to be the services that help you uh, realize insights to detect anomalies and help monitor your resources. There's AI for development. So that's going to be things like um, we have a service called Code Whisper, And what that's looking at is helping give you recommendations as you code. And then there's AI for security, which is going to be different services that are focused on uh, leveraging, you know, looking for things like security vulnerabilities in your code, or maybe uh, compliance issues like that. So there's three different buckets that I support. And if you think about it, the one thing that these all have in common is these are all very foundational needs. Within, we really believe in you know this concept of uh, there's these cloud foundational services, and that's actually where I sit. It's actually the name of our organization where you need to have all these in place to make sure everything is operating the way it should. And that's very important space for AI ML. I think that that's a very practical use of it. I will say that in the sense of just for a tangent on that, I think AI ML, when you think about it, like say out on the outside of, you know, when people are just playing with it. So say they're just using AI ML for fun. It's, there's a lot of different applications that we're seeing it being used for with like generative AI, but there's so many applications you can use within your business that are very practical for cost savings and uh, time savings. And that's where we sit. So at Amazon, you know, we have the, these pillars of the AWS well-architected, right? So our services hit, I think, four of those pillars. So it's they help with operational excellence, which is one of the pillars, reliability, performance efficiency and cost optimization. And I believe there's even more too, like even security is a big one that, you know, obviously I mentioned we have AI ML for security. And the cool thing is, you know, as these services mature, and this is worth saying too, is that all of these services, because they're new-ish, you know, all of them have been GA'd in the last, you know, few years, 
there's lots of development happening ongoing. So right now, today, as we continue to develop, these are just going to be even stronger in those different pillars and make it even more useful to the, the customers in reducing those cost savings. Yeah. So so what I gather also is when you're dealing a lot with customers, like you were mentioning the Well Architect framework, you're, you're kind of talking a lot with them about observability. Is that correct in the beginning? Yes. What's, what's the reason for that? And what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So going back to this idea that it's such a core value is a, a need. Observability is a very important need. So with customers, usually what we did determined is there's these four tiers of maturity level, if you will, in their observability. So if you think about one, two, three, four, one being like, yeah, very basic monitoring, right? So you can kind of see what's going on in your solutions, but maybe you don't really have anything in place to fix anything that happens or that quickly to fix anything. Level two is going to be a little bit more. So maybe you have more visualization. You have a little bit more insights into your applications. Level three is going to be more like predictive where it's like, okay, cool. Like we know this is going to happen. So you're leaning more towards like the proactive. And then level four is going to be, you know, your perfect, not perfect, but one of your ideal states where it's going to be like, we call it like a self-healing state where you have both reactive and also the proactive side developed in your observatory solution. So if something happens, you know what to do if you fix it. You also have pieces in there that are helping you prevent issues in the future. So it's like a more matured feedback loop to help with that. It's fascinating. Like just the customer success role and the breadth in which you have to kind of like also prioritize within and kind of figure out what's foundational. It's, it's amazing. I kind of am really curious about what are some of the cool parts of your job? What are the challenges of your job? If you could speak a bit into that. Yeah, for sure. In terms of the cool things, so we talked about the idea of it being like the new hot thing. The neat thing about that is a lot of companies are very open and we're shifting into these newer ways of thinking, right? Like, so AIML, it's a new set of technologies. One thing that I generally see when I talk to customers is, you know, we still have a fair amount that are still migrating to the cloud. You know, obviously us working in this space, we sometimes we forget that like how many customers still are not in the cloud for whatever reason that might be. And as customers get more open to newer technologies, like what I find it is it's really, really neat when they start to realize the value of those and uh, just how much it improves, you know, efficiency in their operations and how it can help them ultimately fi- focus on, you know, their own goals and not be, you know, not have to deal with that piece of it. I think that's one great thing about AWS in general that I've been really rewarded with is like when you're working in cloud, it's really neat when you start to see customers like start to realize the value of that when they migrated from on-prem into what we're doing. So AIML is in that space where it's like, it's so new. And I spent a lot of time at the beginning just explaining like the bounds of it and what it is because so many people just, they're not sure what it is yet. But leaning into that, that also there's another side of that coin that makes it a challenge, right? So there's this, when it comes to AIML, and I think it has to do with like the unknowingness is, uh, I would say there's a little bit of maybe like fear of what it is. So people don't know like what it's capable of and it's what can you expect from AIML? Like we don't know what it's going to do with our data, like what what's it able to do? And one thing that I always remind people is, I think the word itself, you know, I, when you think about artificial intelligence, I think the word intelligence can scare people because they think it's like this free thinking 
yeah. entity. But <laughs> the truth of it is a lot of these are very controlled programs where it's set to do some sort of task and it's there's bounds to it. There's bounds to every everything that we're developing. So usually when I explain to people what we're doing, I let them know like, hey, these are the expectations of what this can do. This is, we also remind them like security and data protection is a top priority at AWS and letting them know that these can all be leveraged in a way that are going to help you. So how it's going to improve their, you know, efficiency in their business, how, what they can expect of it. And generally, once they know those bounds, it's not so scary of a thing. I mean, obviously, right now I'm speaking specifically to the AI ops side, but it's the same thing for any AI tool where as soon as you know what it's capable of and those boundaries around it, it's not as scary. And I think over time, like as we start as a world, just adopt AI ML more, it's going to be more of a common uh, thing to know, like, okay, I see this AI ML tool or app and I know what it can do. And it's not so scary because of it. And I also know my data is safe because of whatever reason or whichever policy that particular company may have. So yeah, I think that keeping in mind too, that uh, there's a shared, like this, we're in this new era now of like sharing responsibility too, or there's a, a duty of the companies to build tools that, you know, do protect your data and do, you know, won't do anything that can disrupt that for the user. And then there's also the responsibility of the user to, you know, be mindful of whatever data that they want to use. So it's kind of a mixed era, but we're all going to learn it together. It's just so brand new. It's just this new era we've ended and we're like, we're just entering it. It's a very exciting time. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And so fast paced. I feel like you're partly psychologist too, like in your job. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. There's also a part of me. Yeah. Uh, and like how subconsciously words matter, like artificial intelligence. I think you were saying this earlier about the word intelligence and how that could affect people's perception sometimes. And you're like saying this is programs. And, you know, yes. what are your just curious here? Like, I know this maybe is like off the roof, but what is your way of also staying up to date? Sure. Like internally you're at AWS. So you like have, you know, all, everything that's up to date within the company, but in like, just like outside of that, is there any resources you, you like reading or, or stuff like that in the space of AI ML? Yeah, you know, I, I'm i a big fan of podcasts, to be honest. So it's, it's kind of cool to be saying that on a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of great uh, folks out there that share even just news updates. Like I listen to like, you know, just the Wall Street Journal and the briefings of their news and what's going on. One thing that's fascinating about this space is just how fast, like you said, it is moving. And what I think is funny, I'm actually going to compare it to, you know, when, well, it's this way with any hype is like, there's, because there's this hype, what happens is you'll have like a startup out of nowhere or this person, like an expert out of nowhere that just shows up and they have this great thing to share about it or this new thing they just built in it and it's like they pop up out of the woodworks when there's this hype so it's neat when you listen to podcasts and the news channels um to kind of pick up on that and be like okay like that that's happening and they just discovered that last <laughs> week like it's a cool hot space but yeah for me podcasts so like you know i'll i'll keep up there even just things like 
Twitter and LinkedIn, I'll kind of keep track of certain hashtags, like just even AIML and see what's going on. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time too, because it's it's a space that's like, it's not just purely for business, like a lot of people are playing with it, right? So right. AIML is a, a type of thing where, you know, we use it to entertain ourselves in different ways these days. So it's, there's so much you can do with it. But, you know, for my line at work, customer success, I'm like, there's a lot you can do with it to really just make your life easier yeah. and in your business. So, yeah, it's interesting because we're in, you know, when you look at the adoption curve, right? So we're in like the the innovation stage and it could do no wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to hit like this, this peak of all the inflated expectations, right? And I saw this in mobile and I saw this in NLU and then you go through like this disillusionment and then it, you hit like, okay, this is what we can use stuff for. You mentioned AI ops, you mentioned AI dev, and you mentioned AI sec, and I'll include, uh, you know, the well-architected frameworks and a lot of the developer productivity links so that folks can go ahead and dive into that after this episode. Great. What are you seeing when you talk to customers of that smiles, like it's smiles, right? It's, hey, did you check out DevOps Guru, right? Or Code Guru or Code Whisperer can do this because you're walking the line between what's reality and what's hype. Is there that service today that you just, it's putting smiles on people's faces? If, they, if you could, the audience that's listening right now, is there one service that you would say, go check this out and it's it's going to, you're going to love it as a developer? I think... Code Whisper is very cool. It's it's really neat how that works and what it's for. It gives you recommendations as you code, and um, it's actually pulling from you know billions of lines, billions of lines of code from Amazon itself and also AWS. So it's like based on Amazon best practices, and uh, uh, that's the main source right now. As we're, we're still very much developing it, I think it's a great tool just to play with very easy to set it up in your IDE. I would say that that's the very exciting thing. We actually announced that at reInvent 2022. So that was a very big new thing that we came up with for it. So for developers, that's a huge thing. I'll also just say too, like within our portfolio, if you are a developer, you know, we have services that two other different areas that are important to us that just to make your improve developer productivity. And one area is like improving your CI CD pipeline. So um, helping modernize that. And we have uh, services like, you know, Code Catalyst was also announced recently. We have also uh, services in there that can help you with development in your front end web and mobile. So uh, services like Amplify and AppSync, those are great services too that are in our portfolio. But yes, we're very focused on making your life easier as a developer and always happy to have those conversations. If you're going to play in that space, like all those services I mentioned too, they they give you free 90 days to start. So if you just want to turn on an account and start playing, you know, you have 90 days to see what it can do and decide if it's what you want to use or not. Yeah, a lot of great services. Like I'm fortunate to have a portfolio of that, that many to play with. So that's so cool. The developer in me is very excited. Question for you, kind of in the same line of developers. So if you're a developer listening in, and let's say, right, just putting the hat of upskilling on, and they want to upskill into AIML, what services do you recommend developers or people in companies right now upskill in? 
from like if they come from DevOps, come from like, you know, maybe coding, a web developer, like what can they do to upskill in the AI ML end? Yeah. So we have, I mean, AI ML at Amazon, you know, there's so many different tools you can play with. You know, we also have SageMaker. I mean, that's a space that's outside of my portfolio, but, you know, obviously it's a very powerful AI service that we offer. We, with all the ones that I've been mentioning, um, we always have available workshops and uh, different things like that too, that really help you out. I mean, specifically for AI ops, what I've been speaking to, you know, we hold monthly workshops and things like that too, just to get your hands on it with us present on the call with you to help you. So I think if someone's looking, just be like, hey, I just want to get really versed in like the different AI ML services at Amazon, you know, you can look up different workshops and we have available, but those are great ways just to get your hands on it with a resource there with you that's an expert. We have this whole thing at Amazon. It's a whole community actually of just really passionate people about these different areas. It's called internally, it's called, a, we call these um, technical field communities. And a lot of those folks too are also available to help out with answering questions you have. We tend to hold different types of workshops and um, a lot of resources from Amazon to help you get started with AIML. Along the lines of the question Linda had, what's really changed for me, and I know it's not general intelligence yet, and there's no singularity or anything like that, but it, it feels like it's making conjectures. And, and I'm specifically talking to, to you know, these, these pre-trained transformers. Mm-hmm. The fact that it makes stuff up and doesn't tell me that it made stuff up when it doesn't know is very human. As we go through this, this is the first time that I've seen creativity. Mm-hmm. coming out. You know, it was always as a developer, it was like, I, whatever I coded is what it did. And now it can be a li- little bit creative and it can fill in those gaps. And I'm super curious for someone like yourself who has all this experience. And I know you have a, a creative background and, and things, but I feel like it's becoming the calculator for the creative mind. Right. And it's, it's this mm-hmm. way that's enhancing that process that's already there for human beings can, does that stuff excite you? Or do you feel like that's part of just the hype right now? And we haven't actually seen that change. Am I jumping the shark? Because it feels like to me, like we're actually seeing that happening now. Yeah, no, it's, gosh, it's such an exciting area. And I feel like I could talk about that for hours, to be honest. But yeah, to speak to my take on that, I mean, first off, there's one, this, thing I want to point out, I think it's worth saying for uh, people so they understand. So AI, you know, I kind of defined it earlier in this podcast, you know, it's, I'll just say it in the sense of, if you were to think about what AI is, you're automating uh, different tasks. So think of AI as automation uh, to improve efficiency, uh, to improve, just make your life easier. I'm going to put it in layman's terms machine learning, that's what you're talking about of it's taking information and it's learning from that. And it's, you know, being able to calculate, if you will. So machine learning is like a part of AI. So there are, there's definitely things that are more just straightforward versus there's others that are more leveraging more machine learning, if you will, um, to create that. But to go to your question in the sense of uh, how I feel about the creative space and, you know, things like that, you know, it's kind of touching on how people are just playing. And that was actually one of the things that I was referring to. I personally think it's 
it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a, it can be used as a tool to generate concepts and ideas that maybe you didn't think to do. I think that if you view it as a tool as inspiration, um, you can use it to actually leverage your, your actual skill sets to um, make something better. I think that it's like everything in, that gets developed, right? It's just a matter of how you use it. I think that right now it's like, because it's here and we don't really know what it does and we're just excited about it. It's like, you know, there's all these, these conversations of it automating me out of a job or automating me out of this. It's like the way I see it is like, for example, a writer, they might use it to get them out of writer's block. Maybe it's going to give them that right cue and they can write their own thing from that. And as a creative person, maybe it gives you some sort of inspiration of your next piece or something like that. I do think that, you know, there's definitely degrees of it that, you know, I, I understand some of the arguments out there of what the bounds should and shouldn't be. And kind of that goes back to the responsibility of the companies developing these things. But I think it's exciting. I mean, I think that from a creative standpoint, you know, here at Amazon, most of like what we do is very like uh, bound to like, you know, for example, MySpace, right? AI for operations. We're focused on like, you know, it gets, it's here to op improve your IT operations. And, you know, there's really not the creative bounds of that, but it's, it's extremely effective and helpful in that regard versus that space. I see it as playing, you know, I think that it is very helpful in different ways, depending on how you use it. But even from a value of entertainment, I mean, there's that, right? There's a lot of things to be said just for that, that I think is just cool to, cool to see in itself. So that's my personal take. But at the same time, like, I think it is worth saying that we'll be having some sort of, we are going to all learn this together. And when I say that, I mean, like, as a world, like, as the people working in it, plus the common, you know, user of an app that doesn't understand the workings of it. Like there's, we all are learning together of what is the best way to use these technologies. So Alyssa, you were mentioning Code Whisperer and I've been playing with it a little bit. I love it. And I think one of the coolest things I found is like the intelligence referencing too. And you were talking about how the, you know, companies have responsibility to keep everything secure. And I think mm -hmm. my one of my favorite features of Code Whisper is the fact that it kind of also tells you something that's open source. It tells you about security vulnerabilities. How do you usually communicate with customers in that front and, and, and get that feedback too? Because I'm assuming a lot of this is feedback generated too from, from customers. Yes. Great, great points. And absolutely, I think that's a really important thing to highlight going back to the idea of, you know, responsibility of the companies and what we have. But yeah, just to uh, reiterate some of that, like it does help you ensure that, you know, you are coding responsibility and identify code, like you said, if it's open source or not. And that's really important to, to like know, like, where is this code coming from? And, you know, it kind of helps with that issue of like any sort of copyright or licensing expectations, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's intelligence reference tracking, as you said. And when you talk to customers, you're right, that is very important. I mean, I think it's a very common question for folks to ask, where is the code coming from? Majority, like we said, is going to be from actual code lines of code from Amazon. 
But yeah, it is going to be some third party and like you mentioned, some open source. So with that, we always like to make sure that uh, it is clear to them that they know that that's where it is coming from. Alyssa, first of all, I'm like a fan and I can't wait to just follow you. And can you tell me where people can find you? Yeah, so uh, I'm on LinkedIn if you guys want to add me there. I also... I love helping people that are interested in getting into the industry. I will say that, you know, if you want to reach out even just for tips and tricks on that, like I'm happy to do calls with you in that regard. It's, I've had different times where I'd go talk at, you know, like my old university and also uh, just different schools of folks interested. So wherever you are in your journey, like if you're already in the industry and you want to learn more about what it's like working over in this side in AIML, if you're interested in what it's like working in customer success, you know, I have experience with that in different pockets of tech, not just AI, ML. Um, and it's always a little bit different depending on what technologies you're working with. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a good place to find me there. I mean, in real time, I'm either in real life, I should say, or in real life, I'm going to physically be in Texas or Maui. Maui's home. <laughs> so I'll either be having barbecue or I'll be somewhere on a beach on Maui. <laughs> Amazing. Maui. Yeah. That's so cool. Alyssa, your background is incredible. Aw. I'm waiting for your for your Instagram. Now we're going to go back to the sign-off. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, don't kill me. Okay. Sorry, I totally... <laughs> I was just saying Linda, but now I can... All right. Now so you jump. Okay. So 4140, go ahead. Okay. Is it okay if I jump to Code Whisper? Yes. Real quick. We'll, we'll cue it in. Okay. And scene.